Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to another edition of Believe in Giants. Bob Papa with two-time Super Bowl champion Carl Banks. We're going to look back at the Giants' win in Tennessee. Improbable, some say, but they got it done here on Believe in Giants. And uh, listen, styles make fights. It was a great opportunity for the Giants. And Carl, you know, they went down there with a purpose. And it wasn't pretty early, but what are you the keys as far as you're concerned as to why this team was able to pull off an upset against the number one seed from the AFC last year? Well, I think there were a few standouts, Bob. One was their big, the, the, the ability to make key third down stops all game, which kept the, the score close in the first half. And so when they entered the second half, they had a legitimate shot at getting back into, they were one touchdown away from being back into the game. <clears throat> Secondly, to be able to contain uh, Derrick Henry at the level that they did is something I don't think anybody expected, but, you know, credit to Week Martindale and what he did. He, it wasn't a pretty uh, game in terms of pass rush and what people uh, think Wink Martindale is known for just blitzing and pressure and keeping the quarterback under duress. What he was able to do, though, is, and this is why he's such a complete uh, defensive coordinator, he's not a one-trick pony. He took away the most immediate threat in that game, which was Derrick Henry, and they literally became one-dimensional. Um, and they had, and, and also, he forced Tennessee see to keep five, six, seven guys sometimes in to block blitzes. So it limited what they could do offensively. So those were some of the keys that I saw that were really instrumental in them uh, having success. You know, I spoke with Wink um, on Monday afternoon, just as I was leaving the facility, he was grabbing a little something to eat and getting ready to get on to Carolina. And, you know, we talked about it during the broadcast, you know, Tennessee goes to Wildcat. Then they run the tight end around. And he said to me, he said, look, you know, they've shown that stuff before. And, you know, with Wink coming from the AFC and having played Tennessee, uh, he goes, that, that's stuff that we prepared for. He goes, we did such a good job in the middle that we knew that they were going to want to probe the edges. And our guys played really fundamentally sound, disciplined football in those situations. And um, look, it wasn't pretty. Teams are going to, Carolina is going to try to get McCaffrey and their backs isolated on Giants linebackers. Um, you know, there were some defensive holding calls in the secondary and all this other stuff. But, Carl, they stabilized the game in the first half. They played good team defense. They didn't let Tennessee get that second touchdown. It wasn't 14 or 17 nothing at the half. It was all very manageable. And I think it's a great building point for this football team moving forward. It absolutely is uh, a great building point because the confidence, right? So if they lose a close game, what would have changed in this building, right? It was the expectation, oh, go play hard. They haven't won an opener in a while. But to actually break through and win a tough game, and they created their own luck. Yeah, the, the kicker uh, missed this field goal. The head coach iced him. Um, and they created their own luck by getting that two-point conversion. 
But confidence goes a long way when you're rebuilding a a foundation and a culture. And so these guys love the confidence that the coach has in them and they have the confidence in him. And another thing that when you look at how they played the game offensively, they probed around a lot in the first half. There were some missed assignments or not, not missed assignments, but some um, assignment confusion at times. Uh, I think uh, the one thing that, that really stood out to me, Bob, and it's not necessarily a positive, but I think it's something that's going to get better as the season goes is the confidence of Daniel Jones. I don't think he played his most confident game. I don't think um, he went through his progressions um, the way that I expect him to moving forward. Um, there were a couple of times on checkdowns where guys were open down the field. Uh, I just think he was just in his head processing, take a look, check it down, instead of letting plays develop for him. And I think Simmons had a lot to do with that too early on and often uh, because he was in the Giants' backfield a lot on the passing game. But the two, the two tackles did really good jobs. Evan Neal did a good job. Andrew Thomas did a good job, both run blocking and pass protection. But the interior of the Giants offensive line is a work in progress, and they're going to continue to see pressure there. So they've got to get that shored up. And I think as the quarterback gets more comfortable, he'll be able to really process his progressions and know how things are getting set up. He hit some key plays, big play down the field to Sterling Shepard. Um, was a very efficient game, but he didn't take the shots that were there sometimes, but he didn't lose um, plays either. He lost one play, and that was the interception end zone, which was completely unacceptable. But other than that, he took care of the football. He made good decisions, not the best decisions, but he made good decisions. And again, I think just coming out of camp, with all the rhetoric going around and even in the off season, he wants to do things right. But I think once he kind of steps into his skill set, you'll start to see him making more plays down the field because number one, he's a smart quarterback. So when he goes back and studies film, he'll take note of that, but he'll be a more confident quarterback in seeing that number one, He's got an offensive system that gets guys open. And number two, he can make decisions other than if it's not on the first look, take the check down, which is always available to him. And Saquon Barkley will get you four or five yards. But there are going to be some home run shots in this offense. And I think he's going to become more confident in operating this offense. You know, Carl, when I walked into the building on Tuesday morning, I went into the cafeteria to get a cup of coffee. I'm going to do my serious XM NFL radio show. First guy I walked in, bumped into Daniel Jones. Tuesday's player's day off. Any quarterback worth his salt, there is no day off. You're in here on Tuesday. You know he's doing the work. And I agree with you. I think 
as he gets a little bit more confident in that interior of the offensive line, maybe a little less apt to check it down. And he had David Sills on what could have been a big home run ball. Um, didn't see him, just checked it down. We'll get to that point, I think. And I think we saw so many multiplicities as far as this offense and looks and doing different things off different looks. Look, you and I have the luxury of not only being the broadcast team for the Giants, but we host the Coach Dable show uh, that the Giants produce for local TV in New York, and it airs on all the Giants' social media platforms. So we get a chance on Monday to spend quite a bit of time with Brian Dable. And one of the things that really – he was exhausted. He was so worn out after, you know, getting that first win, flying back with the team – meetings all day Monday, you know, the grind, he's got to make now all the decisions, anything that comes up, he's got to meet with the doctors, the train, like everything now in season mode is on his plate. He was like, he was so tired. He was like, Oh man, but I got to keep grinding. Got to keep grinding. The one thing that I noticed, and I want to get your take because you did, we, we did, I did two seg, you and I did two segments with him for the TV show. And then you do the one in the auditorium where you sit down and you look at film. The one thing that I noticed is that he's very true to his word. Like he has been very consistent, very positive, very upbeat, but very consistent in his messaging. And I think that kind of showed on Sunday with the way the team reacted to him. And it showed on Monday when we were doing the TV show with him, there's a consistency and a trust level there that, you know, I haven't seen here in a while. Like it's, it's like he's he's smart, he's got a plan, and he's consistent. And I think that is something that was my takeaway from Monday being around him. I think you're absolutely right, Bob, because from day one, he's been a man of his word with his players. And that could not be more true than the handling of Kadarius Tony. Um his message, his message has been clear in terms of how you practice determines how much you play. There's no disputing. He has not disputed the talent of Kadarius Toney. Uh, they have a lot of plays for him. He hasn't been available uh, for them to do the installs uh, to really get him uh, going, but he has full confidence in him. He says, you know, Kadarius has done everything right. He's getting, uh, you know, into the team, into the team. Uh, I don't want to say the team spirit, but the camaraderie of his teammates. So they love him. They want to do more for him, but he's just got to be available physically. Um, so when you look at that and he's been consistent, yeah, he teased us, uh, Tony, uh, with, you know, some really exciting plays, two or three really good ones. But there's more of that if he can be available uh, to the team. And my other takeaway from that is they are very positive about what Tony can bring to the table and getting him to where he needs to be. Now, we've been around a lot of coaches. Hey, listen, I've been doing the pre and post game with the Giants since you were playing in 1988. Uh, Parcells and Ray Hanley, Dan Reeves, Jim Fossil, um, Tom Coughlin, all the way through to now. And, um, 
you know, there's the, one of the things that I really I like about what I'm seeing in relation even to the Tony situation is, hey, you know, we're going to get the best. We're going to make we're going to get the best out of him. We're going to get him to be the best that he can be. And we're going to guide him to that place. And there might be some rough spots along the way. But, you know, we, listen, we've been around coaches and not only here. Carl, in your travels as a player for other teams and then working with other teams in front office capacities, there's some stats that they just get down on a player and all they see are the warts. All they see are all the things a guy can't do. And he can't pick this up. He doesn't do this. He da- These guys are constantly in a nurturing but authoritative way saying, we're going to get him there. We're going to get him to where he needs to be. And that is, you know, and I think Tony, to his credit, as he was not in the game and he's a playmaker, he wants to be in there. There's no helmet throwing. There was no barking on the sideline. He handled himself well. And I think that also gave him some cred with how he handled himself. You know, that's not a uncommon thing with coaches that come from strong coaching pedigree uh, that have seen it from a lot of different angles. And the number one thing, and especially with today's athlete, it's trust, but trust is a two-way street, right? And so when Brian Dayball says they're going to work with him and they're going to get the best out of him because they believe uh, that he wants to be good, that tells me that at some point during the I don't want to call it the dysfunction, but the just the, the the dysfunction of what is Kadarius Tony. At some point, they've been working together, and Tony is feeling great about how he's being treated. Not different, but he feels like they can trust him. And I guarantee you, when they call that that uh, wide receiver pass, and they will put him in the game. I bet you, because this is a, this is such a Bill Parcell, Nick Saban type of thing. It probably said something to the effect, I'm going to run this play. Can I trust you? Don't screw this up. And the player probably, his eyes probably lit up like, this is exactly what I want, coach. You can count on me, right? And he made the right decision with the football. And he got, what, 19 yards on the play just when he pulled it down. And that's just the excitement of it. But the fact that he uh, trusted, he's basically a rookie uh, with that type of responsibility tells you that there's a there's a real trust level going on. And then there's one more guy, Bob, that I've been down on. Uh, but we talk about coaches believing in and working with guys, right? Tay Crowder had some moments in the game and, you know, the, the man coverage, they got the touchdown, but they were targeting uh, the Giants linebackers. That was, that was part of their game plan. But just as a, in a general sense, Tay Crowder did not seem out of place last week. So that tells me he's growing as a football player, but more importantly, he had two of the biggest statements, hits in the game i mean on the uh one of the henry plays down in, in with i think it was in the red zone 
coming in or going out, he depleted. I called it a slobber knocker because that had to have a lot of snot coming out of Henry's nose. He depleted him. And then on the fourth down play, um, the wildcat play, the tight end comes around in and he just levels him too. So there are some things that, you know, the confidence is growing in Tay Crowder as the confidence grows from this coaching staff. So, Carl, as you know, teams in the National Football League prey on your weakness. They're going to prey on your weakness. So now you spin ahead to this game against Carolina. And you had a chance to look at some of the tape and prepare for, you know, our Giants TV shows and your strategy segment on the Coach Dable show where you go to the coach's tape. Um, hey, look, McCaffrey can catch the ball out of the backfield. They don't really throw it much to Henry. Hilliard's the guy that had the two touchdown catches. You know that the Carolina coaches are game planning and figuring out how to isolate their backs on these linebackers and get advantageous plays. What are some of the things that the Giants are going to have to do to deter that and stop that because it's going to be something that will happen. Well, there's a difference in number one, the two quarterback styles. Um, Baker Mayfield has to move out of the pocket. He's, he's a short quarterback um, and he has trouble throwing over the line of scrimmage. I'm not telling any state secrets here. That's why they move him a lot. He's an excellent play action pass guy, but McCaffrey is not a between the tackles guy. So, uh, what the Giants have to do defensively, again, stop the run, but they've got to just key. They've got to have someone in the flat. Uh, when McCaffrey comes out, they've got to bump him. They did a lot of that late in the game in Tennessee. So, yeah, Tennessee's going to try to find the matchups. And there will be matchup opportunities uh, against this Wink Martindale defense. Like I said, coming into the season, there's going to be some feast or famine plays because he plays a lot of matchup uh, man coverage or matchup zone coverage. And it depends on the talent that you have and what that talent is matched up against. And sometimes you get a bad draw defensively. So that's, that's when you hope that your defensive line can make an impact on the quarterback. Um, the one thing, like I said, Baker Mayfield is a better quarterback on the move. So if they get and cut off half the field on them, it makes it better for them. But, you know, um, pass rush is going to be the key in always getting hands on Christian McCaffrey, no matter where he is. If he goes through the line of scrimmage or out wide, somebody's got to bump him and then they got to rush the passer. So in doing a little research for the game, you know, Baker been in Cleveland until this year. Wink Martindale was in Baltimore, so division rivals. So I looked up the numbers. Now, obviously, the Giants have different personnel than the Ravens had on defense, but Wink against Baker. Baker won three of his eight starts against the Ravens, so three and five against the Ravens. 58% completion in that time, uh, a little over 2,200 yards, 13 touchdowns nine interceptions, 10 sacks, quarterback rating of 82. Um, so it's not as if as Wink is putting together his game plan. Now he's going to take into account what he has here with the Giants. 
Um, and as of this recording, we have no idea if Kayvon Thibodeau is going to be playing in the game or not. Um, but you know, he's got a, he's got an idea how to defend this guy. So I got to think that, you know, he's going to be able to figure out some kind of plan on how to deal with him because he has had success dealing with this quarterback. I think, um, the familiarity definitely helps, but it also helps Baker Mayfield in understanding how Wink Martindale likes to pressure. Again, it comes down to talent um, and how the information that Baker gives to Ben McAdoo can translate uh, into what they believe would be an effective game plan, um, Wink Martindale's firsthand knowledge. So it's not a secondhand account. Um, but I just think, you know, with Baker, he has flaws, but he's, you know, he's no slouch at quarterback. Um, and once you get him on the move is where he can either be dangerous or he could be limited. And the Giants going to have to limit him um, in some of the things that he's doing. I'll tell you another area that um, is concerning that they've got to get cleaned up is the special teams. You know, I think um, there were a couple instances where they had 10 men on the field. Um, their coverage team, you know, the punter is booming it. He's got to get some direction on it. But they gave up a few uh, big returns, which, you know, a team that's really trying to uh, win games, steal games, um, and create a winning culture, you have to be very attention to detail and you can't let the little things like uh, 10 men on the field, that's a big thing, right? But you can't have that twice a game. Um, so they've got to be better there uh, in that operation. Um, and then the last thing I got, Bob, is Saquon Barkley. He's giving the defensive coordinator in Carolina a lot to worry about. He's given everybody a lot to worry about. Uh, he has been so decisive and intentional with the way he's running the football. And it's really good to see because um, he challenges defenders when he needs to. He eludes defenders when he has to, uh, like on the two-point conversion. They had that, they had the right amount of people in the area and that was a play that Saquon played above the numbers. Um, there were other areas where he had to get the dirty too and he got it. Uh, but that sends a message that if you're a defensive back, you better get ready because I'm lowering my shoulder. I'm getting behind my pass. I'm running through you. I am not going to give you a big target and I'm not going to dance. I'm just going to get what you, I'm going to go right through you and get what I can. Folks, Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports contests and events with first to market odds and times. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, even golf, which has become a big thing. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in game bets, props, and futures. Head to Bet Online today. Use your mobile device to join. And on your first deposit, your first bet, use the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V-50, to receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. All right, anything else to get off your chest here, home opener? 
Fans are going to be fired up. Well, it's uh, the first opportunity for this giant team to make MetLife Stadium and take it from a house to a home. Um, this should be a housewarming, if you will. Um, the crowd is going to be into it. They're riding the momentum of a uh, win in the opening game. So getting that first home game is is key. I think the fans are going to be there and the energy in the building is going to be incredible. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Tell a friend to tell a friend. We hope you enjoy this edition. Make sure you tell a friend. It's free to subscribe. Check it out. Carl Banks, Bob Papa, Believe in Giants. Thanks for watching. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.